I'm Chuck Rosen. Uh, you might know me from Beverly Hills 90210, or you might not know me at all. Doesn't matter. Listen to the podcast at Podberg. Podbergbat.com. Perfect. That's great. Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Podberg Podcast. It has been a while, hasn't it? Uh, turns out 2011 was pretty rough, you guys. Uh, shit got busy there for a while, huh? But, uh, it seems like most of us kept our heads down. We made it. Not everyone made it. I take that back. I have a few friends who didn't quite make it to 2012. Some career aspirations or, you know, breakdowns or, uh, you know, family shit or something. There was enough going on in 2011 that made it, like, the extension of how shitty 2009 was that happened that was like, Hey, Max, how about you gotta pay this first instead of recording your podcast for free every week and it was like okay fine yeah i'll do those things it's only uh it's only april which became august which became november but the good news is we're back in january we've started the cycle over and uh here i am and this is gonna be this is gonna be a good time this has been a big recent week on the internet uh hello internet people Last week was uh, was all the Sopa and Pippa drama. Um, that was fucking huge. I don't know if you guys went to my site, maxgoldbergonline.com, but if you did, you would have noticed it was blacked out in solidarity with Wikipedia and Reddit and uh, parts of WordPress.com and all those other great sites. Uh, it had way less impact. My site gets no traffic. I mean, that's not true. It gets traffic, but it doesn't get Reddit traffic. But maybe the maybe the 10 people who saw my site that day through uh, through Facebook links were like, oh, oh, I can't watch Max's video of him telling dick jokes and, you know, Jew jokes and and Jewish dick jokes, which really, if you think about it, are just shorter j dick jokes. Um, that was a circumcision joke, not a Jews have tiny cocks joke. Because let me just tell you, look, I didn't mean to talk about Jewcox. Here's where I was going with this. SOPA was a really big deal. And I was kind of terrified by it. Because even though I am technically in Los Angeles and in the content producing industry, which you'd think on some ways would make me pro-SOPA, right? Isn't that the deal? All the copyright holders are like, no, we want our copyrights held. But then... You know, I also have that Northern Californian in me, the Silicon Valley, the, the civil war that's happening in California of North versus South, of all the Googles going against all the studio people and all that shit. And, you know, I'm glad SOPA came to an end. It died in Congress. I believe it was called Toxic at one point uh, because no congressman could touch it because of what, what, what horrible implications it had for their, uh, for their, I don't know what you call it, for their branding that week. Like, no one could be pro-SOPA. Uh, and so I went to one of these congressmen's, I went to one of their town hall meetings. I went to uh, Senator Howard Berman's town hall meeting in Sherman Oaks. 
And I didn't want to say anything. I just wanted to listen and see what all these people were saying. And I was shocked to find out, because I'm an internet guy, and I was like, no, SOPA kills innovation. Like, SOPA is a terrible idea for startups. And it resulted in the largest, you know, the largest blackout, the largest protest in human history, you know? I think more people were directly affected by the protest against SOPA than anything that happened in the 60s. Um, you know, I think more people in one day got one piece of protest information than anything that happened leading up to Vietnam or leading up even to the war. I think that's a fair argument to make. Um, and this guy stood up at the at the, the the town hall meeting and he was like, hey, I've been a grip for like 30 years and uh, my, my retirement is tied to these copyrights being held. So SOPA needs to pass. So like have your little internet, but stay away from my pension. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, that sounds like not a good argument at all. That sounds like maybe your industry is dying and maybe you, even though you, you had all these things coming your way, maybe don't anymore, and maybe welcome to the recession. And I know shit's hard, but the internet shouldn't not exist. And that's what SOPA would have done. And the problem, and I'm telling this for a lot of you who don't live in California and don't understand the pro-SOPA argument, because I didn't, and that's why I interviewed our next uh, are my next guest that you're about to listen to. Uh, really cool guy, because I didn't know anyone pro-SOPA. Everyone thought it was obviously a bad idea. So I wanted to talk to someone who might be the right kind of expert, and I chose Charles Rosen. Uh, he is best known, here I'll pull this right off of Wikipedia, he's best known as the writer and executive producer on the television series Beverly Hills 90210 throughout the first 144 episodes or five seasons between 1990 and 1995. He's also won a People's Choice Award, two Golden Globe nominations, and uh, what makes him interesting to me, I mean yeah, he did some really great stuff online and that's great. I mean, on, on TV, and that's great. But we don't live in a world where TV matters as much today. And, of course, it's been a while since 1995. And in that downtime, he's Charles, or Chuck, as I call him. I got to know him about a year ago. He started a couple of web projects. Some of them did okay. And I wanted to talk to him because he, he's on both sides of the coin. On one hand, he's got real intellectual property he's trying to protect. He has... You know, he he was some of the people who built content uh, that is now, you know, trying to be legislatively protected in a new way. Uh, but then at the same time, he is now trying to be an internet innovator and come up with new services and products to cater to a completely different market and set of needs. Uh, so he doesn't want laws in place that will obstruct him. Uh, turns out he was leaning more pro-SOPA than I expected, but I don't think he totally read the bill at, before we talked in a very like Bill Maher kind of way, so take that as you will. But Charles is a good guy, and uh, I think that you're gonna like this interview. So this is the Podberg Podcast, and uh, we'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> Hey 
Hey guys, it's Max. Uh, quick, quick interjection for a promo here. Uh, I run a once monthly room in Los Angeles at the Standard Hotel on Sunset Boulevard. It is a very swanky room. I swear to God, there is a woman in the wall as decoration. They hire like a USC grad and who's pretty and they have her sit as a model behind the concierge desk and they call it art. And then to the right of that is our comedy show. So uh, if you want to check it out, it's the last Thursday of every month in Los Angeles. Uh, if you're listening to this today, that's Thursday, January 26th. It is tonight at 9 p.m. and it's free. All right, here's the interview. Okay, can you hear yeah. me? Yes. Hello, Internet. Um, okay, Chuck, we are, uh, we're back. We're back. So I'm so glad that you joined us uh, once more. I know we did this once and it didn't work out uh, on a technical level. But uh, I figured it's oh, for the God. best. I thought it was a rewrite. Yeah, okay, perfect. We'll get a better idea of what's, uh, what's going on. And I feel like a lot's happened in the world since then. So I, I feel, feel like we'll be able to All right. still get some good stuff going. Okay. So where I would love to start, I feel like last time we talked about some really interesting uh, views of yours. First of all, you are the creator of 90210 and uh, the writer. And what other projects? Um, well, I, I, I really cannot take credit for creating 902. In fact, you may want to start over for that reason. Darren okay, Star so should, we, should we go with... Okay, so writer. Is that a better... I was executive producer executive showrunner. Pro okay. I recreated it. Okay. Uh, and I came in after the first episode. But the creation, person without the characters, it was Darren Starr who went on to do Memo's Place and Sex in the City. Okay, gotcha. Good distinction. I didn't know that distinction. This is good. We're learning. This is good. So... You're in this very interesting position because you have um, first-hand, like, frontline experience in the television world at, you know, it, when, it, when it was booming in the 90s. And there's been this real transition out of that into mm -hmm. the world of the internet. And I'm just so curious what your perspective on, whether, uh, on that change. Like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Should shows like... Uh, like 90210 still exist? Is there a place for them? Um, I know you've had a lot of internet ventures, so I'm curious as to your perspective on it. Well, you know, I teach a class at UCLA. Mm -hmm. I teach a writing class, and part of it is talking about television then and now. Mm -hmm. And when you talked about TV booming in the 90s and as opposed to now, one of the things that... Um, has came about in the mid 90s uh, in anticipation of the television world changing and the and the rise of reality television is that um, the is that in in today the first thing that's thought of is how much is this going to cost what is this is there you know how do we get return on our investment the ROI that is right in on digital. <clears throat> Trust me that in the 70s and 80s, and I was only in the late 70s, but certainly all through the 80s, uh, you would walk into television and it was the variation of 
you know, Andy Hardy and uh, with Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland saying, let's put on a show. You didn't think about those terms. About the ret- there was no tracking. You nothing, you knew that you had to. But well, the, the reason being is because if you were on the air and you had a hit, you made money. Everybody made money. <laughs> okay. It was pretty hard not to make money compared to um, like YouTube today. Is because I want to jump right into the to the meat of I think what's changed in the conversation since last time we talked, which is the legislation going through Congress right now about uh, SOPA and PIPA. You know what I'm talking about? The yes. And I figure. I was so interested in your perspective on this because you've had your feet on both sides of the door. You have been in the game that gives you the kind of royalties that would make you, on some ways, have an interest in protecting something like SOPA, but on the other hand, you are seeking the kind of innovation away from that mainstream system on all of your online projects, which would make you, in my mind, vehemently against something like SOPA. So um, I'd, I'd love to hear where, where you stand on it, knowing that uh, a couple nights ago, the White House um, said they weren't gonna support it, but it's not quite dead in the House yet, and in the Senate yet, and the PIPA version. And um, So what, what, what are your thoughts on, on, um, on that, and how it affects content creators, and how it affects someone in your position? Well, you've gotta go back to the shock I felt when when you were much younger, and my daughter Lindsay, who's a you know, peer of yours and who you've worked with and know, was much younger, and you guys started downloading music illegally. And I turned to my daughter, who was at that point, I think, about 14, and I just reminded her of this. And I said to her, uh, well, you know, just be prepared, uh, because someday they're going to start downloading illegally videos like 90210, and that will impact your inheritance. Because, you know, as a, not as, the, as, as, a, as a participant, as an owner, not just residuals, as an owner, it's, it's lessening the value of the, the, the property, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, the broadcast industry and the film business uh, to some extent, had the a model of what not to do by seeing how NARAS, the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, responded to illegal downloads. Um, it, it's hard to remember that that went on for a number of years before uh, Steve Jobs came in and uh, quote-unquote saved the music business by putting a, a price on, on price tag on what a single, uh, uh, what music would cost mm-hmm. and, all the, and a much lower price tag than, uh, than what artists had been getting prior to that. But certainly set up... Well, a, what, the, what, what, they had, what it had been the charge, not necessarily what the artists had been getting, right? Isn't that, wasn't that part of the issue? Correct, cor- correct, correct. What, what, the, what the company, what, what the value as determined by the, the, the companies right. were. Right, right. Um, and then that would filter to the artist or not filter to the artist, depending on what the, <laughs> right, the, right. the, the deal with the arrangement was. But um, the, 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 so, so I'm of, um, so in that, I am firmly behind the notion of that an artist needs their work to be protected. The, the, moreover, the artist needs to be control of their work control of who they sell it to and how they sell it to. 
So if you look at that in terms of the writers, the world of the writers and the Writers Guild of America, the Writers Guild of America made a choice back in the day not to go for copyright control as playwrights have in New York. The playwrights own their plays, mm -hmm. uh, no matter who produces it where. Um, this is not the same is true for television. We license our copyright. We transfer it to a studio or producer or whatever it, it, it would be. So, the, it, you know, in principle, the artist uh, needs to be, have control of their work and, and be compensated accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, so is it fair to say that you're in support of, of, of SOPA for that reason? Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yes, it is, but but at the same time, you notice that I'm stressing the word artist, and I'm really Fair. not talking about the corporations. Okay. Because um, you know, even though they are the copyright holders, um, and and are the major backers of this, and I know you know, um, the the I the idea of setting up a fund or a tax on stuff being used. Is not that is not a it, it, the the argument against that is it doesn't doesn't get to rely on a God given right. This is a this is a plan that's going to have to probably be some kind of compromise. So you um, think SOPA should be reformed then? That there should be some changes made to it. That that's what you mean, right? The that as it stands, because for example, the reason the well, reason. Well, why don't you for your audience and me? Give me specifically what sure, you're talking about, whether it was so. Because when, when, I, when I think of SOPA, the Stop Online, Online Piracy Act, I'm thinking of the legislation that would take things like the Digital Millennium Copyright Act and, and other um, previous accepted legislation on, uh, on copyright protections and make it, in my opinion, much more difficult for <laughs> innovators but uh, essentially uh, restrict, um, how do I put this well? Uh, re restrict, um, uh, enhance the penalties for, for copyright violation and, and, and make much broader the definition of what copyright violation is. So, um, for example, if uh, the, one, one, of the, one of the big sticking points in the legislation that's infuriating a lot of people is that for uh, 10, 10 downloads of, of illegal content um, or, or providing the link that gets downloaded 10 times uh, would possibly lead up to five years in prison, you know, and that, that's, that's a real uh, in, in aggravation of, of, of a problem. Well, that's just, that, you know? that's just a starting point. I mean, obviously that's not going to, most likely not going to be uh, the average sentence you, you you said up to five years. Yeah, it's it's up to five years, but but I just can't imagine any circumstance where you know. But but the point is, now I understand the Hollywood. I feel like well, I, a, I can absolutely the, the, understand there's a, there's it. There's a there's a movie out called The Artist. Mm -hmm. You seen The Artist? I haven't. No. Right, and if somebody illegally went in there and filmed it with a with a video camera and put it online, mm -hmm. you could see it for free. Well, let me ask on a larger philosophical So that level. person who got in there or, or created a business mm -hmm. around that should be punished. Oh, what company, what, what right. kind of people go in with a camera on the first day of release and do that and, and profit from it? What is that? Oh, oh, I know what it is. It's called China. 
Right, and that's of course, and, so, and, and that side of it's inappropriate, of course. But what, but what this is, this would allow would would be creating a kind of liability that didn't exist before. So, for example, suppose I have a YouTube channel and I record that in uh, I record that the artist, the movie, and I put it up on my YouTube channel. As it currently exists, I'm liable for that content as the uploader. This legislation would essentially make it so that YouTube would be liable for housing that content. And it would be a way so that any company who has enough lawyers who can say, okay, this person's infringing my content, it's like a shoot first and ask questions later approach of being able to just sort of squash well, the because, site. Well, because once something's up, it's up. That's that's why you, you shoot first and ask questions later. But once something is downloaded, unless it's right. removed, it's up for all to see and copy and share. And but doesn't that say something about the state of things, though? That that it's that, that there's isn't there value there? That like information can move that quickly. So maybe our our well, current uh, wait, system is, is outdated. Are we talking about information, mm-hmm. or are we talking about creative content? What I think we're talking about is in the last 10, 20 years there not being a distinction between the two anymore. And the well, idea... I'm, I'm here to push back and say, yes, there is a distinction. There is a distinction between the videotape that a brave person posts um, from her apartment in Damascus as opposed to somebody um, illegally uh, taking a, uh, a movie, The Artist. Or a Beyonce song, or something where somebody wants some minimal amount of compensation uh, so what onla- if, okay. online, which is and if they take that and then they remix part of the movie into a hip hop song at, at that point, like is that an inexcusable well, that that, violation? That, that doesn't offend me, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't think that that. But I think that. Because, because th- you know, all people are different. Look, you know, we used to, um, uh, and all people have different levels of, of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked, as you, you know, you mentioned 90210 when we started this. I worked for many years for, for Aaron Spelling. Mm-hmm. Aaron Spelling had no humor around anyone who parodied or satired himself or his family. None. Absolutely zero tolerance. So when Darren Starr, who we mentioned, uh, did a funny television show called um, Gross Point on Fox a few years ago. Uh, the spelling company came after Fox like crazy. They didn't come after Darren Starr. They came after where the, where the, the someone who had something to lose. Mm-hmm. So the reason that this legislation puts the onus on the carriers is because they have something to lose by not stepping up and, um, and, and supervising and, and being less lax about the impact that they're having on society. One of the things when you think back, one of the things when I think back, and I was just talking about this the other day, about what happened when Fox became a network and, um, and, and how that changed the network world. Well, hard to believe, but CBS, ABC, and NBC actually mandate as an FCC company was to put their audience, the, you know, the public, what, you know, what, what's in the public's interest mm-hmm. first. And they behave that way. Mm-hmm. And the, somehow the digital culture, the purveyors, think they're somehow immune of any responsibility for the society that they've created. 
Um, the, 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 I, I don't, can you expand, expand that? I want to make sure I understand um, what you mean. Do I have to answer this phone? <laughs> Here's sure. part of a podcast. No. And of course it's a recorded call, because anyone else would have hung up. Um, but so what, what do you mean by the, the society they create? How, how you use the word being lax. Like, what, what, how, how are the... Because the, I almost see it as a bit of a California civil war. There's Southern California, which is Hollywood, and the, you know, the copyright holders, basically. And then there's Northern California, and the Silicon Valley, like the tech innovators, basically. And they're at war with the, each other. The, so, so when you say that... You know, someone who, and, and I'm asking because, I'm not asking because I think I'm right or you're wrong or anything. I'm, I'm asking because I, I, your opinion, I you know, is really valuable here. The, um, what, um, when you see someone like Google taking the lead in the fight against something like SOPA, how do you see that as them being lax, you know, like when, when they see it as possibly destroying no, no, innovation? No, 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 not the, you know, that's, to me that's analogous of you got to pick out all the regulations in government so that the job creators might be humored enough to hire people. You don't buy that on a national level with Republicans and Democrats. You're not, you're not, so, so the notion being is that how do you know, how can you sit here today and tell me that if the, that a company like Google or Yahoo or Microsoft or any of them take more responsibility for the impact of their of what they post in terms of how you know th- how it affects society and again i am talking right. art i'm talking no, I know, only you started the copyright this, act but, and you, you started this by saying that when you were talking to your daughter like all those years ago mm-hmm. saying that it was individual people who were downloading so i would put forth the argument that it's n- that yes google and all them have benefited in some ways but at the same time, is it them who are perpetuating this problem, or is it a yes, series the, it is of, them, it of, is. of individuals who made a choice as individuals, but collectively all basically made the same decision that part of this industry they is relevant? They make the, that decision because it's it's free and it's available. That's the, so it isn't it isn't a it, it, it it's a I think it's a no brainer that someone is going to do that if they don't have respect for the system, for the process, mm-hmm. the 99 cents that you might have to pay to hear music, or what will ultimately probably be, uh, you know, what, what, what a Netflix, what, what are they, you know, 299 $4.99, whatever, whatever like it is, like to, yeah. to actually see it. Now, to, to mash, we were talking before about the mashing up, mm-hmm. you know, mashups are cool, mashups are this, mashups are, have now become uh, um, almost, you know, endemic to the to the entire video experience, um, just in the way that when hip hop artists used to sample, mm-hmm. and 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 clearly that is innovative, and clearly that is um, you know something that uh, a, a audience, whether it's an audience of a hundred friends or ten thousand people, benefit theoretically benefit by seeing. But at the same time, that is, uh, when I made that reference to Aaron Spelling having no humor about his own content, there also will be levels of degrees where Radiohead says, take anything you want. Mm-hmm. And, and Jay-Z might say, take anything you want. And 
the Red Hot Chili Peppers might say, don't you touch that, you motherfucker. And, uh, you know, who knows? I'm saying there's just, uh, I know that my friend, uh, who's, who's a, an artist here in town, um, used to be an art teacher at Crossroads School, does a lot of interesting video art using classic uh, psychedelic songs, whether they be Led Zeppelin, Hendrix, and he is on everybody's shit list. They tell him to take it off all the time because that's not a, uh, it's just not something that they want to have happen. Now, whether that's... These users aren't profiting by it, right? Like maybe, like, like if I'm downloading a song, I'm not making money off of the song, you know? Like it's, I I like to use the metaphor of... Downloading, you mean illegally? Uh, well, I, I like to use the metaphor of a candle, right? Where if you have a candle, the candle doesn't lose anything by lighting another candle, right? Transferring of like, because I'm not, the problem with SOPA is that it, even even with streaming, there's that five year maximum penalty. So not even having the files on a, on my computer, you know, on my hard drive, just listening. It's essentially saying the listening. I own this content, this property, so vehemently. That you listening to it ten times in a way that I don't want you to listen to it is potentially five years in prison. And I know that you 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 acknowledged already that that's extreme, and they're going to probably back down on that. But my my my, I guess. And, and my other well, so the person you're going to get in your car, and you're going to turn on the radio because you're a, uh, a hip guy and a smart guy, you probably, I'm going to venture, you might listen to KCRW. Listen to this little NPR, sure, definitely. The music that's played on, M- on, on KCRW, mm-hmm. a royalty is paid to the artist. Mm-hmm. So at a certain, so, so again, we're having a, we live in transformational times. So if AM radio or, or FM radio has a certain set of standards that apply to it, the the digital companies, um, you know, also have now reached a point of maturity as an industry, which is which is a laugh because they are bigger than the content providers. You know, is who's bigger, Google or, or Viacom? I, I go on a Google's team. Google's sure, bigger. Sure. Um, uh, which which will bring me to another point later. But the, but the fact is is that is that it's it's again. You know, it there has to be one virtual standard for mature media, and this is you know you you reference me being real interested in, in digital media alternatives, right? <clears throat> and I saw that on the wall, that handwriting on the wall in two thousand five. I remember you telling when, me this when, right when Disney first announced they were selling Lost on iTunes, right? And by doing that. They, that was a really uh, pivotal moment for you, 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 right? Like that was well, it, not only a pivotal moment for me, but it was, it, but ultimately a pivotal moment for the television industry, because by making content available, uh, it it effectively uh, neutralized and then uh, undermined the vast majority of what was the syndication business, which is where you produced X number of episodes. And you, you, you stored them, and then you sold them for their afterlife. The afterlife is not worth very much if in the former life you can see anything you want, any time you want. So, so, the, the, you know, so clearly an, an adjustment was being made at, at that point. But the, and, 
And when that was happening in 2005, Apple, Google, Yahoo, Facebook were not the companies they are today. Notice I left Microsoft off because Microsoft, <laughs> and the one that is going to be, I think, the most important is the company to track and to follow, and is the most interesting company of all, is with these, you know, rivaling Google is Amazon. Amazon's all over the map. Amazon does some real interesting things in tech. I just got a Kindle, brand new Kindle. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting behind Amazon in a way I never. Amazon have is going Definitely. to be the leader of cloud-based services. Okay. They are the leader of cloud-based services, and this is just going to come more and more. So they, you know, they're on all sides of it. But the fact of the matter is, is that these companies um, are are huge, and they um, and they and part of their uh, success and continued success will be on their ability to deliver content. So when I tell you that Hulu is is now is going to have their own show when netflix is going to have your own show that you can start seeing online and all the other professional channels that are going to be on youtube um the the way that those companies will be uh compensated is one to two ways one is subscriber premium cable method hbo showtime stars or advertising. Advertising at this point, when, when, when I first started getting into it because I knew that it was shifting that way, the, they used to talk about you know uh, broadcast dollars and digital pennies. Well, are we at a point that the digital pennies are now digital quarters? The, if they're not now, it will be. And but will be there, more and more and more. And so isn't, the, isn't there also so, some, some, some advantage there to the little guy? Right? Like, isn't it easier for someone with a free and open internet without as many restrictions on it to get content out there? To, like, for example, I'm a great example of this. I took uh, the BBC's Planet Earth DVD and I hacked it up. I cut it up into a series of, you know, a parody of just all the animals getting attacked. And I, I voiced over the word fuck over it. So they're just like, ah, fuck! And it's just. It was this wonderful I stone, saw it was very funny. stone project. Got a couple million views, right? I had a copyright battle over it where the copyright holders um, put in a claim with YouTube to take it down. YouTube took it down. I counterclaimed under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. They didn't respond, basically, because they would have had to come to court where they would have had to realize I didn't make any money off of it. I just put it online. And they wouldn't have been able to get anything from me off of it for, for that reason. But because I was able to infringe on that content, basically, or another way is just, you know, tool around with something that I wasn't hurting anyone by doing. No one's going to see my video and think it's their video, you know, that I was able to really get a leg up. And I was really able to say, okay, I can show off my own talents and share it in a way that the market says is the way they want to accept it. And what's wrong with that? You know, I'm technically violating laws. I'm breaking laws by doing that, but I don't see who the victim is. And I feel like I'm not the only one in my generation, or and maybe not generation in terms of age, but generation in terms of content creators, um, feels that way where there, there are 
that if there are victims, they're not the content creators at minimum, you know? And I, I don't think there's a good understanding. Well, I, it isn't, you know what? In one sense, if you, if you, you say, okay, well, I wasn't the perpetrator and I'm not the victim. I don't want to be the victim. This wasn't victimized. I put this up. And, you know, sure, the BBC, what the hell are they going to come after me for? I don't have anything. So what are they... Now, it's, it, it's nice that you come to the conclusion that this helped me, and that's all that really matters, but the BBC might not really be a big fan of the F word. But, but, but who is me, though? Me is the you and that was so, on the cover and of so Time Magazine, where right? is the, where is the grievance played out from... Uh, uh, the BBC. Well, part of it is, yes, I'll follow it and we'll make these people take this down. Or, um, you know what? Here's our content. You allow this to happen. Therefore, this is your financial, for you to get the revenue that you got on advertising. Maybe cooperative with you? Did you make money advertising-wise when people went off to your of, sites? Not off of, not off of the, that one. YouTube, yeah. But YouTube might have, or somebody YouTube, did. Sure, definitely. And, and they're yeah. basically saying, "Look, you know, we're you know we're not going to go, um, we're not going to go out quietly." Right. I I went the other night to um, to a town hall meeting in Sherman Oaks. Uh, do you know the congressman Howard Berman? In, in One of the most powerful congressmen in, in uh, Washington. Right. So Long-time I went, veteran. I went to a town hall meeting of his because he's a, he was a, he's a supporter of SOPA as well. So I wanted to hear what he had to say. And someone, you know, it was a town hall so people could take the mic. And mm-hmm. someone uh, took the mic and said he was a grip for 20, 30 years, something like that. And his pension was based on the residuals that would be taken away by piracy, basically. And so his motto that he screamed was, you know, stay away from my pension. Like, you make your content, but, like, don't affect my retirement, basically. And... I get that. But So he gets money through Yahtzee? Or something. Is a union thing, but it's he, not a very... It, it's not a prime... Right. And, I, I guarantee you, whatever money that grip... And I'm not, I'm not maligning grips, because there's no show without grips. But whatever money that grip gets in um, compensation mm-hmm. is not uh, it, it, it is not really part of the equation. It's a blip. It's not part of the, the real equation. Right. It's not the same as the writer or the right. copyright holder right. or the people who invested capital, not human capital, working capital, right. into what they, they had. So the... the um, I think that that you know the the we we live in as I say we live in transformational times. The digital age has accelerated that transformation, so that when you look at tele when you look at media, it's um, burlesque, vaudeville, radio, uh, television, and now digital, a cable, mm-hmm. and then digital. Mm-hmm. So you had. You know, when I say TV, I meant broadcast. Sure, so sure, you go. Sure. You have all of these other kind of, of technologies having impact, disruptive impact, because people's choices and, and preferences change. Right. right? Okay. Uh, and sometimes they had no control over it. Um, if you think about the people who decided to take down in Los Angeles to say, we don't need any public transportation anymore because we got these wonderful new things called cars and we're going to put them on freeways that we're going to build. Um, 
you, those people who advocated that, and it all sounded good and convenient and everything, had no realization of what the, <clears throat> um, the social consequences would be, both in terms of pollution and in terms of the impact on our society of the tension one has driving and can't get places on time and, and you know, and, and everything like that. And all I'm saying, so, so the, sometimes the social consequence of a disruptive technology isn't uh, analyzed until after the fact. When people first started to talk about the internet and do the cool things in the internet, one thing that they couldn't necessarily um, probably process was identity theft, not to the degree that, it, that, it, that it's happened. So you have these changing times, and you looked at this Christmas, this, this holiday period, um, the amount of, of presents and gifts uh, uh, bought online... Uh, dwarfed what was bought on those, you know, Black Friday, you know, sure, digital, whatever they call that, digital Cyber Monday. Monday. Cyber, <clears throat> Monday. Cyber yeah. Monday was much bigger than Black Friday. And so you're having a shift and you're having, uh, you know, an industry respond. Look it, when we, the last time the Writers Guild and there was a strike, that was in 2007. And strikes are a, and conflicts like this, but particularly that strike, was it either you, you get that when it's either strikes happen on an innovative industry or a dying industry, and in that case it was two and one. So you know the the copyright holders, studios and the individuals, uh, you know are not going to die without a fight, and and do whatever they can to protect them themselves and saying that the. The, there will be parameters about what can be done, who and when, just as on broad, because it's in the public interest, and just on broadcast television, you can't say fuck. It's it. That's a parameter. But who's it? But is it the public interest or is it the content creator's interest? Because because it, it, is it both? Because you know, because I feel like we're we're back and forth. I want to make sure I understand. Public, that's why I'm asking. It, the, the reason is is because it's not mutually exclusive. The the. Because um, there were, if, I mean, if, no, I mean, if people are not making film and television, because there's no profit to be made there at all, because they can't afford to do it, because there's because of theft, because of crime, in terms of their work, then then how they're going to respond to that is is you know is that there'll be a lot more there'll be a lot less. Um, people employed. When you did your thing, mm -hmm. you were a person of one, one very creative, talented, funny person. Um, you uh, uh, didn't, um, uh, and, and the people, when they made that show at the BBC, there was more than one person involved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't condone the BBC for not finding what you did funny. Do you know? Have you heard of Louis C.K., a comedian? Of Louis C.K. Do you, do you hear about his recent thing where he did he he put up a a, a, a special that he recorded himself for sale for five dollars? Normally, it would be either through HBO as a comedy special or maybe as a special for more money. You know, because right. of all the right, 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 right. intermediaries. Uh -huh. And he made a big deal saying it's this is just me. It's five dollars, so you know, please don't steal it because all the money really is just going to me. And it was great content. It was great 
very funny special, and he made a million dollars off of it in 12 days. 220,000 people downloaded this at, at $5. And he, took, and he took control of his own content. Right. And I believe he gave most of it to charity. He gave a lot of it to charity. He gave yeah. some of it back to his crew. But the larger point is that isn't some of this about what the market wants. And if it's a good idea, the people who consume that content, shouldn't they be the ones to exactly. dictate it? Listen, the fact of the matter is, yes. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're going to be coming very soon, and it's it's just needs to be done because it's shifted for the interest of society. Get ready, guys, because things that are going to be digital are going to be taxed. Your sales are going to be taxed. State governments aren't making any money when you and I on Cyber Money, Cyber Monday, bought something, and 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 and. and over the over the wire, as opposed to going into Century City and buying something where they did get ten percent, twelve percent, whatever outrageous number it is. Right. So the beginning and, and the reason that that number keeps getting higher is because revenue doesn't get to come into the pot. So the idea being that the the idea that that people can benefit uh, that that you know that that you can have artistic expression. And and make a living, it you know implies that oh well not make a living just have artistic expression implies that no one before who played by any sort of rules didn't have artistic expression. And of course, there's been artistic expression you know uh, in my whole lifetime, one way or the other. So um, I used to when I was a college student, the first comedy people that I knew, who. Uh, who put together sketches live and parodied television and did things, did it live in a bookstore in Madison, Wisconsin. And they called it Kentucky Fried Theater and they were the Zucker Brothers, the guys who went on to do Airplane. So, but the thing is, is that realizing that this is a way the internet and digital world represents a way to, um, you know, to to uh, uh, you know to express yourself and do your art in this, you that could be what you did that little film there could be part of a, your live thirty minute comedy act that you do at a bookstore on Sunday Saturday nights. So it 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 isn't it, again. I don't think that the content cre- and if you did that, I don't think any content. I don't think anybody would be coming after you, but you get a million views. <clears throat> using somebody else's stuff, they're going to say, wait a minute. And, you know, it's one thing to say to YouTube, okay, pull that down. But a more effective thing to say to YouTube is, well, you guys are doing it again. This is what, it, you, you know, for you to have anything, and you see our stuff, we find it here, you have to pay us because you are the ones benefiting from it, from the advertising. Once the internet became an advertising-driven medium uh, and I'm you know for content mm-hmm. and that happened over that period since 2005 when we were talking about Disney that now exists these people advertising we you know every year it goes up it's up it's up the revenues this the projections of this it's all moving that way <laughs> and some of the things they're going to want to do are it, you know to provide that isn't just e-commerce but e-entertainment as it were right so, so I think that there will be some, probably some kind of compromise eventually, but that, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, I realize that I'm not, 
sounding as cool as no, you, I'm, I, it's, but, I, don't, I don't want you to sound cool. I, I, I'm, you have a perspective I feel like most honestly don't because the people who are defending the television industry are deeply rooted currently in the television industry and the people who are, who are against it are deeply rooted currently well, in the internet. it's interesting. And when we started, when you came today, I didn't expect we would talk about this. I didn't I, realize we were going to roll with it this much either. I'm but, glad to, that we've done a, it. But it's an, a real interesting topic. But the other side of it, what I was going to start talking about yeah, I'd love was to what, because you brought about TV. What? what happened in TV this last week, the last two weeks, periods? In that every winter, there's something called the TCA. Twice a year, there's something called the TCA, the Critics Association. And they get flown out to Los Angeles, and the all networks present their material, whether that network is the Sci-Fi Channel or the, you know, the, the you know, AMC or CBS. It doesn't matter. Everybody gets online to, to tell the critics what's coming up and what they should be writing about because... You know, that's a way for the, the, the people in Kansas City to get access and get quotes from the people they want. So this mm -hmm. is what <clears throat> is an institution in, in television and has been going on. There were, it, interestingly enough, when the economy crashed, they canceled it at one, one session because they, the newspapers couldn't afford to send the people out <laughs> and, the, and, the, um, and the television industry didn't want to subsidize them. But, you know, this, this is a constant thing. So... The Bob Greenblatt is the president of Fox. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, Bob. Is the president of NBC. And Kevin Riley is the president of Fox. They may, that might be their titles, but they're the guys responsible for what's on the air. Bob Greenblatt came to NBC from Showtime. Kevin Riley came to Fox, among other places, FX. And both Bob Greenblatt and Kevin Riley said the exact same thing. We canceled shows in the fall that after two to three episodes, that if they were on our premium cable or cable outlets would have been renewed at the same time and be declared huge hits. So the standard of what is being judged uh, in, in television, in broadcast television, is not the same as the other forms of television. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what you're seeing is something is going to give. Something has got to change. Now, why are the costs so much in network television? Why is it the difference? It's because, the, whether it be the studios, the executive producers, the stars, their agents, uh, are taking a hefty uh, uh percentage right off the top where in the the in premium cable hbo showtime in this you you do get paid a lot but you don't get paid any extra you what you're getting paid for you get paid a little less for the creative freedom and in basic cable you just be glad you're working <laughs> and and although you know you still make something by producing content right um you know so um, you, you're going to be seeing an industry shakeout at the same time that whatever's going on with SOPA, this will be going on as well. And what, so you're going to see the diminishing of what um, top star, what what top stars make, and what what journeymen, mid-level exceptions, they will call them in basketball, make in that in that because a lot of the excess that 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 can't be recouped through advertising. That's, that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. 
you'll also, I think, in the you know, pretty much see a uh, a, a demand that, uh, and if this doesn't happen in the next four or five years, then then consumers are really stupid, and 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 purveyors are stupid. Um, but uh, there's no reason in the world that any of us pay cable companies what we pay them. I don't. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And, and, and none you, of my friends do. That's right. So your, I, generation I, I has, with you. your generation has pulled out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And they, and they don't know what to do. And because they know that the alternative for someone like myself would want is to be able to create my own package. Mm-hmm. Why, why, you, when you have so much freedom of choice as you're talking about on the internet... And it's and and it, it's always talked about all the the options that people have now, um, you know, you know. So why I do not watch House and Garden? Why am I paying for it on my cable bill? The trouble for the independent like yourself in doing it is the and and what I learned the hard way from doing my digital ventures is that what the companies have that we don't have besides our armies of lawyers. Is, is the ability of marketing. And the marketers have taken over, uh, and this is, not a, this is not a good thing, it's just a fact of life, that when, not this season, but the season before, a show like Lone Star, which was an interesting premise on Fox, kind of an adult show, a little different than the kind of stuff that they would do, had two episodes and was pulled, the, the, the aftermath was marketers taking the responsibility and saying, it's our fault, it couldn't be sold. As if the show was not important, we can sell anything. <laughs> and it's that kind of hubris, really, right. you know? Um, yeah. I just, I, I've, after a long absence, I've written my first script in four years. Okay. So I took it to a studio, because I knew somebody there, and the studios, and I said, have your team read it. And the team, and it was a TV pilot. And the team, and fortunately, studio read it and said, "Boy, we're, this is really well written. We're huge fans of yours." And then, but but we don't want to get involved with you right now, because they cited another show that was a political thriller, and ours is kind of like a Capra-esque kind of series, kind of different, funny twists and this. Because that one was coming, they didn't want to do this one. Well, do I expect that to be? Is that real? No. They just didn't want to do this one. And it's so much easier to say to somebody who might come up with something you'd want someday, uh, you know, I'm really a fan, my door is always open, rather than, well, this sucked, get out of here, unless it really truly sucked and you right. never want to be there again. Right. You know, so, but, but the thing I'm saying is that the people who are in power, um, you know, sometimes don't really have the perspective of, of an overview of the industry. They just have marching orders. But I agree. The, but the war that you're talking about between SOPA and or it involving the content creator owners mm-hmm. and the and the cable companies, if it indeed is a war, they do have an overview. And that's why there's a war. Mm-hmm. Because the very survival for content creators depends on them being able to get revenue from the markets that, from any market where their content is shown. Right. 
Chuck Rosen, thank you very much for being on Podberg today. I hope you had a good time. I sure did. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell anyone like a link or anything like that of where to where to check you out these days, or uh, any uh, leave any any info or words of wisdom, perhaps? Um, yes, words of wisdom. I, I'm starting my class at UCLA uh, this week, my writing class in the extension, and I start every class with the same way. I write the letters S. F, T, B on the blackboard and say if there's only one thing that you're going to learn from me, this is it. And I think it's very appropriate for what we have talked about today. S, F, T, B. Steal from the best. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chuck. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Max. Good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you. Okay, everybody, that's it. That is the Podberg Podcast for January 26th, Thursday, and that was the delightful Charles Rosen. There are many things that Chuck and I disagree about, but I certainly like the guy. Uh, tune in uh, next week. Uh, we have some surprise guests that I'm not going to announce yet, but you can catch it on my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Comedy. Also, uh, one more reminder, tonight at the Standard Hotel, that's Thursday, the 26th of January, free show, 9 p.m., featuring myself, Dave Nystrom, Eric Toms, Jackie Gold, Ryan Stout, Ian Edwards. It's going to be a blast. Uh, see you next time. <laughs>